Chapter sixty two of Half a Century by Jane Grey Swisshelm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. First case of growing a new bone. I had searched for Minnesota men in Campbell, found none, and had been there a week when Mrs. Kelsey told me there was one in Ward Ten credited to a Wisconsin regiment, and from him I learned that he was a friend and neighbor of my friends Mr. and Mrs. Bancroft of Manterville, and my conscience reproached me for not sooner finding him. But the second day Mrs. Gaylord came as a messenger from the surgeons to tell me I need not spend time and strength on him as he could not be saved. His was a thigh wound. They had thought to amputate, but found the bone shattered from joint to joint, had with a chain-saw cut it off above the knee, and picked out the bone in pieces. There was a splinter attached to the upper joint, but that was all the bone left in the thigh, and the injury was one from which recovery was impossible. His father, a doctor, was visiting him, and knew he must die. I went to the patient who said, Dr. True, the ward surgeon, has just been here and tells me I must die. I sat by him, fitting the measure I had been taking for two days to this new aspect of the case, and talking of death and the preparation for it, until I thought I understood the case when I said, Be ready for death, as every one of any sense should always be, but I do not intend to let you die. I guess you cannot help it. All the surgeons and father agree that there is no hope for me but they are all liable to be mistaken, and none of them have taken into the account your courage and recuperative force, your good life and good conscience, your muscle like a pine log, your pure breath, your clear skin and good blood. I do not care what they say. You will live. I will not let you die. I found Dr. Baxter and said, I want you to save Corporal Kendall. Corporal Kendall, who's he? The man out of whose thigh you took the bone last week? His face grew sad, but he said, Well, we mean to save them all if we can. Doctor, that is no answer. I am interested in this man, know his friends, and want to understand his case. If I can keep his stomach in good working order, and well supplied with blood-making food, keep away chills and keep down pain so that he can sleep, will he not get well? He laughed and replied, well, I never really heard of a man dying under such circumstances. I can do that, doctor. If you can, you will save him, of course, and we will give him to you. But, doctor, you must do all the surgery. I must not give him pain, cannot see that wound. Oh, certainly we will do everything in our power, but he is yours, for we have no hope of saving him. Another thing, doctor, you will have him brought to Ward 4. He gave the order at once, adding, Put him to the right of Howard, a young Philadelphian with a thigh stump who was likely to die of hemorrhage, and whose jerking nerves I could soothe and quiet better than anyone else. By this arrangement the man, minus a thigh bone, was placed in the center of my field of labor and under the care of Dr. Kelly, but full ten days after this arrangement was made he came with a rueful face and said, We have consulted the Surgeon General, medical inspector, and a dozen other surgeons outside the hospital, and they all agree that there is no hope for Kendall. The surgeons here have commissioned me to tell you, for we think you ought to know. We all appreciate what you are doing and think you will save all your other men if you live. 
but you cannot stand this strain long you do not know it but there is a limit to your powers of endurance and you are breaking you certainly will die if you keep on as you have been going and it is not worth your while to kill yourself for kendall for you cannot save him and what is the reason he cannot be saved well there are several reasons first i performed the operation and did not do it as thoroughly as i wished he was coming out from under the influence of the chloroform and they hurried me the case was hopeless and no use to give him pain so there are several pieces of bone which i failed to find these are driven into the flesh and nature in trying to get rid of them will get up such excessive separation that he must die of exhaustion then there is the thigh without a bone and there's nothing in the books to warrant a hope that it can heal in that condition we could not in any case hope for the formation of new bone there are resections of two inches but this is the longest new formation of which we know anything and in this case there can be no hope because the periosteum is destroyed periosteum doctor what is that again it is the bone feeder the strong membrane which encloses the bone and through which it is made in this case it is absolutely destroyed removed torn to shreds gone so there are several reasons why he cannot be saved dr kelly do you intend to let him lie there and die oh no oh no i will do all in my power for him i am paid for that it is my duty but it is not your duty to sacrifice your life in a vain effort to save another dr kelly he shall not die i will not let him i know nothing about your books and bones but he can live with one bone wanting and i tell you he shall not die and i will not die either it was a week or more after this conversation i found my patient one morning with blue lips and a pinched nose and said to him what is this well i had a chill last night a chill and did not send for me you were here until after midnight and must have some rest corporal kendall how dare you talk to me in that manner you promised to send for me if there were any change for the worse and after this i cannot trust you now i must stay here do you think i am going to lose my investment in you do you suppose i would work over you as i have been doing and then drop you for fear of a little more work as i passed to the kitchen i found that blue lips and pinched noses had suddenly come into fashion that there were more of them than i had time to count but did not for a moment dream of letting a man get into the graveyard by that gate the merry young irishman who had volunteered as my orderly had a period of active service and no more willing pair of hands and feet ever were interposed between men and death hot bricks hot blankets bottles of hot water hot whiskey punch and green tea were the order of the forenoon and of a good many hours of night and day after it for that victory was won by a long struggle for ten nights i never lay down in my room but slept all i did sleep lying on a cot about the centre of ward four and two cots from the man minus a bone i could drop asleep in an instant and sleep during ordinary movements but a change in a voice brought me to my post in a moment i could command anything in the dispensary or storerooms at any hour of the day or night and carried many a man through the crisis of a night attack when if he had been left until discovered in the morning there would have been little hope for him and when a surgeon could have done nothing without a key to the kitchen which none of them had i kept no secrets from any of them 
told each one just what i had done in his ward thankfully received his approval and directions asked about things i did not understand and was careful that my nursing was in harmony with his surgery during that trial time there was one night that death seemed to be gaining the victory in corporal kendall's case pain defied my utmost efforts and held the citadel sleep fled the circulation grew sluggish and both he and i knew that the result hung on the hour it was two o'clock a m and from midnight i had been trying to bring rest the injured limb was suspended in a zinc trough i had raised lowered it by imperceptible motions cut bandage where it seemed to bind tucked in bits of cotton or oakum kept the toes in motion irritated the surface wherever i could get the point of a finger in through the bandages kept up the heat of the body in the hope of the soul and sat down to hold his hands and try mesmeric passes and sounds when he turned his head on the pillow and said even if i should get well i'll never be fit for infantry service again no you never will i might walk with that machine you talk of but never could march and carry a knapsack but i have been thinking i'm a pretty good engineer you know secretary stanton you might get me transferred to the navy and i could run an engine on a gunboat that is it exactly you will get over this i will have you transferred to a gunboat and next time you will go into the rebellion prow foremost you ought to be at work in time to help take charleston i continued to talk in a sing-song croon to stroke his head and hold his hand until he slept which was but a few moments after settling that transfer and the last time i saw him which was in seventy nine he got over the ground and up and down stairs as fast as most people his new bone being quite as good as any of the old ones except being a little short and decidedly crooked although the crook did not affect its usefulness or general appearance End of chapter 62